welcome everyone to another week with your host Mordechai Weimerger and Harav Nissen. And I'd like to wish everyone a Freil Hanukkah, a happy Hanukkah. And the number to call in to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we look forward to taking your questions and your comments. I just would like to start with my own little Nes Hanukkah that we've had, at least with my family this year, and that is that basically two, um, yesterday, Sunday afternoon, the first day Hanukkah, we were just leaving our house, and with the Baruch most of the family was in the car, and as we're driving to pick up the rest of the family, a car seemed to have lost control, went through a stop sign, and went right into our van, and all the airbags blew, the car was practically totaled, and Baruch Hashem, Everyone walked away without anything. It's a huge siyata deshmaya, and I'm thankful to the Rabbi Nishlam for this wonderful mace. So to me, I'm walking around on a high and just appreciating that, wow, how lucky, Baruch Hashem, the family is, I am and the family is. And I want to thank everyone, because I'm sure we always get brachas here, and we always get people say they daven, and every tefillah helps. So I really want to thank, uh, give a big public shvach to the Rabbi Nishleilam to realize that sometimes when things don't go well, we get upset. And especially when things do go well, to just appreciate and say, the Rabbi Nishleilam, thank you for all that you've given me. And yep, so thank you all for that. The number to call in to ask your question or your comment is 718 683 Six eight three five eight five eight, and as well as I was just talking to Rav Nissen when I was telling him ahead of time that what a beautiful Nes Hanukkah we had, Baruch Hashem. He told me he also had about a month ago, and Baruch Hashem also car was badly affected, but Baruch Hashem he was Baruch Hashem without walked away clear. So that's Yutziata Deshmaya. So again, I just want to thank everyone for the brachas for the tefillos. And we never know when they're used and when it happens. It was also, I found it a little basharat because I had a couple of tzedakahs that I wanted to give. And all probably between from Thursday to including that Sunday morning at Shachras that I have been able to, that I've given that last check that I had, it was a pretty nice sizable amount. And I, you just never know what little schuss, what happens at the Rabbi Shalom says for this schuss. We'll get help. And again, sometimes we do this chosim and the Rabbi Shalom says this has to come anyhow, and then it will happen anyhow. Yeah. All right. So again, anyone that would like, call up. The number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Oh, the high. We, right now we don't have yet uh, some uh, call. First of all, Chag Sameach to all of the listeners and uh, this show, the of the rabbi. Michael Chaim Khalifa Ben Rachel Chalo. Chuashlema, now he's in intensive care, Bezer Hashem. We see Besorot of what big schut Chag Hanukkah, Chag Aurim. And just I want to, you know, this week... Uh, I know that we talk about awareness, awareness all the time, and uh, you know I get I get uh, from 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 unfortunately from Israel a certain uh, yeah, institute of girls that some of them from the girl uh, that was become like really crazy over there. I would say I, I, I to be a gentle on the, my wording and stuff like this. I, I want to again to re reassure the awareness about the physical 
stuff and if you agree about it i want i want to you to basically elaborate about it what is the the the, the limit or what what's supposed to do a boy or girl that in proper uh behave of adults or somebody uh, against him you know physically because it's really i i i know that we we had it today uh, with with quite a few educator people and people that uh family members that basically come and ask ask the question and i really want to to be more strong about it that uh, it's very disturbing news when you get uh, when you add that uh, the, the girls was uh, the, the boys and girls affected from improper behavior of adults so let's go ahead and let's discuss a little what this is like and sort of understanding Let's first start with emotional stuff, and then we'll go to, let's say, when someone's physically hit or beat. There is a theory that we use a lot, and it's, um, it's called the Maslow Hierarchy of Needs. Dr. Maslow did a simple point, and you can disagree. You could make whatever you'd like. You can realize it however you'd like. This was done in the 1943, and he wrote the paper called The Theory of Human Motivation. What that theory is, he says there are five levels for a person to need to survive, and this theory we still do today. The first is physiological. That means if a person does not have food to live, um, even, let's say, the ability to use the bathroom, the person will die. We also need to have just shelter, basic shelter, because otherwise the cold weather will kill us. So the first level is physiological. So the person's first primal need is to take care of the physical well-being. And if the physical part is not taken care of, the person cannot think about anything else. After physically, there's, let's say, even one meal a day that the person can survive. There's a little shelter, a little wood, a little something, enough to keep you warm that the body will survive. The next level is now the emotional safety means that are you safe? Once the brain feels now safe, then starts the three levels of higher, which is the third level he calls love or belonging. means we need to feel we belong. So you see you belong to Kahila, you belong to a group. When we're in a group, we're able to succeed. So think of a group as a family. There's a father that goes out to work, the mother that's taking care of the kids. So there's now the stabilization for the home. And the adults also need a group. After you have, again, the physical needs, so you're alive, physically you're able to, your emotions are safe, now that you're belonging with the group, now esteem. Now you start feeling, I have some value, I am someone. Once you start being you're in a group and you're starting to feel safe now to go in the world, the next level is self-actualization, that I can be unique, and my dreams that I feel I have, I can go out there. So let's realize the first level of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs that we still use till today is physiological. That means if a child is in a house and there's physical abuse or they're in an environment where there's physical abuse, the automatically this child cannot think about learning, cannot think about making friends, cannot behave well because they're physiological, they, their life and death isn't safe. Now, if they are, let's say, they're given food, but they're being hit and beat. Many times this can go into the safety level of either the emotional safety or physical safety. It means their life is not in danger, but they don't feel safe. They might say a word and they could be yelled at. They can be 
shouted at. And this is the place where when we discuss a lot borderline personality disorder, this like when we have people calling us up, this is where they're affected. When the person does not feel safe, it means the person can today be your friend, but tomorrow be angry at you. This minute, say how good you are, and then 10 minutes later, really yell at you, scream at you, hit you, that you have no idea what's coming. And sometimes the way people rationalize is saying, oh, but this person is so nice, because when they're in a good mood, they're like this. But it's only when they're in a bad mood. And part of what we do in therapy is we need a person to realize, but you are living in a house with a whole person. You can't divide it into parts. We need to see the whole person. And you need to realize that you weren't safe because you don't know when the person can be triggered. And this is a large part that we discuss. Does this make sense, Rav Nissen? Yes, definitely. Uh, Mamash, uh, this is the, the you know things that really a person can be so nice, co- so uh, you know willing to help, and 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 it's coming to the opposite, and that's what the point of the awareness that I I'm I'm aiming to to the kids and to the parents. Excellent. So let's just go ahead and discuss this, and that means if you're in class and there's a boy that's picking on you and fighting you, and you're not a boy or girl, could be in the girls' school, and and it could be someone even two grades older. So to adults, sometimes you think, big deal. So an eight-year-old boy, and then there is a 10-year-old boy picking on him, big deal, what's two years? We need to realize that to a child, each year could be a foot of a height and growth, the power and the strength. To this person, to an, eight, to an eight-year-old boy being hit or pushed or bullied by a 10-year-old boy is huge. It's now they lost their safety. What happens is if it's not discussed, if it's not clarified to them, then what happens is they can forever feel this world isn't safe because people will yell at me or scream at me, and there's nothing I can do because I'm only an 8-year-old boy. And instead of realizing that then I am 8, but now I'm 30 and I'm stronger and I'm smarter and I'm wiser, what happens in the subconscious is we get stuck with that, and we are stuck with those programs of people aren't nice, people are mean. And once that program is in there, you see them act that way. You see them act in that aggressive way, or I can't trust. So again, a lot of people in our from world, we don't discuss that much the physical abuse, because yes, there are parents that hit, yes, there are sometimes, not sometimes, but there are kids that, let's say, bullied physically. But most of the stuff that happened in our from world is usually more emotional. And that is something that is important for us to realize that um, in the human brain, what we imagine is just as real as what is actually happening, and sometimes even worse. So just to give a classical example of this, and also for those of you, we've got Mr. M on the line, which we're going to get to him. And for those that would like to call, we'd like to get your numbers calling up. The number is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Just to imagine what the power of the mind is, for an example, you're walking 12 o'clock at night down the street, and for whatever reason, the two street lights that illuminate the street are burnt out, and you're walking a little quicker, and then all of a sudden, you start hearing a sound. That second that you're afraid it's someone chasing you, you're not protected, you're not around, then the, what happens is your heart starts beating, your hands start sweating, your body is reacting as if you are actually in danger. 30 seconds later, you took a look, and you see that it's no one, it means you see it was a cat. What happens is, you're, when you calm down, 
your body does not calm down right away. It's, oh, I got to catch my breath. I was so nervous. And you can be nervous for the next half hour and the next hour. Why? Because in our brain, the Rebbein gave us the power of imagination to foresee if there is a fight or flight mode, if there is an attack, so where we can defend ourselves. And what happens is our adrenaline, our adrenals, the adrenal glands start turning on as if we're being attacked. Now, if someone's in an environment where they're not feeling safe, let's say it's a kid in class having an issue with a teacher where they're feeling picked on or yelled at, or the teacher might use sarcasm, which this kid is afraid they might get sarcastic, or a parent that's got that, or an older kid that's bullying them or a kid in the class. What happens is they are imagining, if I say this, the teacher will do that. Or if I say this, my mother or father will do this to me. Or if I say that, then the other kid will do things. The entire time, our mind is imagining and visualizing these attacks coming, and the body will react appropriately, will uh, we'll act accordingly as if we actually are being hit, as if we are being beaten. And many times in therapy, when we need to start working on having someone build a relationship with a parent that for whatever reason had certain disorders, we actually need to have them have the conversation with our parents. And most of the time they go, but if I tell my parents this, they'll say that and that. And I go, how many years ago did they say that? And they go, oh, 25 years ago. And I go, you're still working on a program of 25 years. We need to update it. We need to have you through it. We need you to realize that you are stronger than you are in the past. The past is not living right now in the present, and that's where we do various subconscious methods as well as the cognitive and behavioral therapy. Each of those are needed. So that's why I'd like people to understand the danger or the issue of physical abuse is not necessarily the pain, because sometimes it could be a smack. But if we think about the emotional stuff or the physical stuff, it's what the child is thinking about in their mind the entire time. It's how they build up new beliefs that it's not safe for me to go to certain places because I will be made fun of. And once we review this in our mind for several days, weeks, months, and maybe even years, it becomes a fact that I cannot do that. And that is the danger of what is going on, one of the dangers. Yes, there are people, and there has been an R from community where people's lives were not safe. Yes, there have been. And unfortunately, I've been involved in one or two of them, but I've spoken to Askanim, to Atsala members that have had that. And there is, I don't want to minimize and say we don't have that in our Kahilo and someone's listening and they are being worried, and it's really abusive levels where the New York, where the agencies need to be called in, where there are Banimar, where they have the children sent to relatives because it's not safe at home. Yes, we have that, but Baruch Hashem on a much lower level. The main goal that I would like to create over here is the awareness to understand that when kids are living in fear, how it is. Okay, thank you. So we'll go to Mr. Uh, yeah, uh, we're going to go to Mr. M. Mr. M, M you're in Nissan. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. First of all, I, uh, Hanukkah. I have a question. Our pleasure Thank to you. take your call. My question is, uh, I heard you a lot talk, uh, talking about in the past about uh, self-esteem. Yeah. Uh, so my question is, if someone, let's say, knows, I mean, everyone has, I don't know how to say it in English, like malice and concerns. Good sure. things and bad. And, sorry? Sure, that, that's so true. Everyone's got them. So, but the fact is, there are some people that are slow, slower than, let's say, uh, I want to say maybe, let's, let's say someone is slower than the average. 
But okay. uh, to, to, now so let's to keep go a second. Yourself, slower than the average means they don't know yet what their talent is. Because in slowness, there's no, no, no. Slower means let's say in processing. Let's say an employer. Okay, so they're having an employer their like what we call a neurocognitive disability. It's a, uh, this is how you call it. Someone who's slow processing. A little Aspergers. I'm not sure what I'm saying. It's a diagnosable level where the brain does not work as well as it should. How do you treat that? Well, first you need to realize that's biological. So almost if you would ask, let's say you would say someone is on, if someone's autistic, how would you treat that? You can. You need to realize what it is. If it's a processing, there could be someone that, let's say, has a social processing issue, someone that could have a learning processing issue, but they could be extremely street smart. All of that. All of that is something. Now, there could be someone that actually is developmentally delayed, means the brain did not fully function, it was not fully developed. That is very different. So you see it can also be ADHD, right? Say that again? It can also be ADHD. They usually, ADHD people do not have a, again, now, so here's where we might be having a little bit of a difficulty understanding, which is you use the word processing. To me, processing is very different. ADHD people process extremely quick, generally. There, there are issues that they're processing too much. What, well, I, what I'm asking is, let's say... Issue, I need more diagnosis. I need more information than using... Right, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give an example. Let's say an employer, he hires five girls yeah. uh, to do, let's say, uh, entry-level work. One of them he's going to see is going to be very quick. He's going to, he's going to figure out everything. He's going to know everything. He's going to, he's going to learn very fast. Yep. And let's, let's say one of the five is going to be the most extreme, the, the, the fastest the best, yeah. let's call it. And one of them, let's say, the worst of the five, everything is going to be like a hassle. You get into her head, you know, to, to teach her, to train her, to... Uh... Sorry, I'm okay. using a phenomenon here because I, that, that's where the case is, so I'm sorry. Uh, my question is, that girl, for example, who says she sees her, her workmates, they, they, they figure out things much faster, they're much better, how can she keep her, herself as strong? Hey, I'm going to address that, and I want to hear what Abnissen is going to say. So let's go ahead and repeat your question. Your question is, if there are five girls doing, a, doing the same job, one will be very quick in that job. One will be able to, let's say, answer five calls at once, send out six emails at the same time, to, uh, manage and do all that. And the other one is just not catching up to answering three calls and is having a tough time answering sending out two emails at that time. Now, how does that second person, let's say if there are five people there, how does that person keep their self-esteem up? To answer that question, we need to realize that the question is actually a wrong question. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that the Rebbeinu has given everyone talents, and to each nature it has its strength, to each nature it has its weaknesses. The strength of this person that's able to juggle and balance five emails, ten phone calls, set everything up, is that they're able to handle all that. The negative is that these people are usually not that good at home, which means giving the emotion to the children, sitting with the children. They're busy coming and going, so they are doers, but they are not as we call beers. It means just to be in the moment. 
So if this person's got a job, if the second person's got a job in an office where it's about how quick you are, it's about getting things done, she might be applying to the wrong job. She might be an amazing teacher where she's able to sit with the children and help them. She might be an amazing therapist where you're not going to be sending out 20 emails at one time. You're going to be able to help one person, each person during their session, and stay focused on what goals and what do they need. So the question is not necessarily how do you tell someone, how do you put someone in the wrong job and then tell them, let's pick your self-esteem up when you're comparing yourself to others. So to that, there's a saying, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's sort of like a fish is fantastic in water, but put it on earth, and how successful will it be? Does that answer your question? Yes, but the question is, let's say, the, I mean, if, if if you can answer me, if you, I mean, only I if, if you I feel you can come up with a good idea. the answer is, if the fact that to recognize what their strengths are and get a job where their strengths where their strengths are, and not get a job where they're the weakest at. Right, it makes hundred percent sense. Good. My question, let's say, is. Let's say that's a fact. That cannot be changed. At, at, now we're getting to at step two. Let's stop a second. Hold on. Now you're going to step two. Step one is first understand that you're in a job that's not the most suitable for you. Can the person needs to understand that? Needs to before we start going to solutions. The person has to know I am in a job that's not meant for my nature. Maybe a year from now I'll change. Maybe two years from now I'll change. But do you understand how important that awareness is? Because if you're going to be working yes. on someone picking up their self-esteem, picking up their self-esteem, going, but why doesn't that person have to pick up their self-esteem? The answer is because I'm in a job that's not right for me. This issue is the issue that we have a little or a lot, I should say, in our education system. The education system is geared to several talents. It's geared to talent, how well can, at least by the boys, how, and by the girls a lot, but mostly by the boys, how well they can remember information. How well can they pick up languages? How well can they push themselves in sports or raise their hand? How confident they are. There is very little points in the education system to how friendly you are, to how emotional you are. There's very little to a person that needs more physical movement and needs to learn by some other senses, like kinesthetic, like by touch. We need to have these people understand it's not that you're not successful, it's that there's a certain learning style that's not your best, and you will find yourself a lot more successful once you're at a different, at a different stages in your life. Once that's understood, now we can start teaching this person tools. Now you start having this person, okay, so you're in a job eight hours a day in a field that you're going to work slower at. What are we going to do the extra two hours in your day where you're going to be using your field, your talent? Are you an emotional person? Are you a caring person? Are you creative in art? Right. It's, it, sounds, it sounds like a very good answer, what you said, but let, let's, let me if we can go more into it. Let's say the boy, like you mentioned the, in the education system, where it's all by memory and uh, how fast you are. So what, what if the boy does do that? He, he's, not, he's not that he's smart. He's like, like you said, street smart, but he's not, he doesn't have the best memory. He doesn't have the, he sees his friends picking up, remembering much faster, much quicker than him. How, how do you raise his self-esteem? So let's go back first to the last point that we mentioned. So that girl, that after hours, we're going to start getting her what she's good at. What is this guy good at? Is he good at a play? Is he good at music? So you'll try to get him a music lesson. Is this guy good at building? You'll be getting him Legos for Friday. Will he be building or creative? 
I know some parents that have the, on their computer, which has got no internet or they have it blocked, but they have a lot, a lot of times the architecture programs where you can design buildings, houses, things like that, and you see what they're doing. They help making for the siblings' weddings or simchus or bar mitzvahs the monogram. They build up a talent in another place where this kid also feels, I am talented in other places. And then you do help this kid be successful, but you build up their strength. If there's sometimes like Pirchei, sometimes they have in yeshivas where, in, in Bismedrish, where they have, let's say, Bachram come and learn, they put them in charge. You give these kids where they can use their street smarts. You work with them. You make sure in yeshiva you put this boy to be the gabe. There's something coming up now where Hanukkah, Hanukkah, Masiba, you have these kids be in charge of the Hanukkah, Masiba. You give them roles where their leadership is played out, and you explain to them, some kids are great in memory information, you're great, and you show these kids how they're great, where they're great at. You're great at remembering any name. You heard the name two years ago, someone that is wealthy, someone that is successful, someone camp. You remember everyone's names. You might not remember the Gemara that will, but you remember people. You help them recognize where their strengths are. I think when you mentioned now uh, about value. remembering names and remembering, let's say, uh, uh, what they studied. Can you def- uh, explain why this is? I have seen people that they're very good, like as you mentioned, they're very good remembering names. They're very, I mean, extremely. Remember every person who they brought That's sister, right. cousin. That's right. And but when it comes to like learning, they're very very slow. Why? Can you explain? Different brain parts. That's when I mean you're asking me to to explain the entire masechta, but just uh, of how the brain functions. But let's just make it in a short process. I am Hashem, almost done my book, coming out probably in the several months. It's still got to be edited and all that. But basically, based on four nature types: Eish, Maim, Ruach, and Each strength that the Rebbein Shlom has created has a power. You've got an Archaim bringing down that Shola Melech was one Koyach and David Melech was Eish, therefore, therefore David Melech was able to make two mistakes because that's the Koyach of Eish that is going to fire. Each nature has its strength, has its weakness. The brain functions in a certain way. If you're no more an emotional person, you're not going to remember that well facts and information. The more facts and information you remember, the less emotional you are and you'll have a harder time connecting to your wife and children. Every nature, that's how the Rabbi Shalom has created this world. There is balance. There is no one nature that has all the strengths. Impossible. That's why we're on this world to have and to learn and to grow. So while children that love that get information, they have it easier the first couple of years of growing up, of school. But then when they've got to enter the world of of interacting with people, there where street smarts comes in, that's we have that's where they suffer. And you have the famous concept where you see it that people that are computer geniuses, they were great in yeshiva maybe with, with remembering names, places, information, but they were missing the social skills. These people are getting a lower-paid job, and the one with the street smarts actually the one that owns the company. So let's recognize it's not about fine. It's not about saying this is better than that. If we're still in that lower-level awareness of I am better because I am this, then we're missing the point. The goal is maximizing your potential, your strength, and then we see how things, then we see how, how the person can be strong and grow where they can. So, Reb Nissen, can you share with everyone about your program a little that you have, if I can, you can? <laughs> this is, this is we, we're going all over about uh, the, the human being uh, characteristic. Yeah, the, the creator, Kadosh Baruch Hu, didn't create us as one, as a robotic. Each of us has a different talent, 
a different shtick in his brain, I would say, the software, was a little bit twisted, you know. Uh, some uh, some of us are very talented to music, some of us talented to, to uh, technical, some of us are talented to, to memory. And the, the whole idea, I think that um, in many, many, I would say, uh, first of all, in, uh, in, in Israel, for example, when you go to uh, eighth grade, they give you a you know, test of what kind of uh, talent you have and to try to direct you to, to the right path. Unfortunately, here, that, I don't see it here. And many uh, schools by us as as one basically one track is, and it's very good. The Torah is very important. That the question like this: Are we giving to the, our children, and are we 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 com combine this with other with the need of the internal? I would say internal of the, each kid of us, and this is very important to understand the nature of the kid, as as we know that the malchut and the, you know the. The Nefesh Ha'chaim and Chachamim talking about the the different Yisodot of the Adam, the bone, you know, if it's if it's a, a, in a wind, ruach, esh, afar, and maim, and this is as a very significant pers uh, different in the personality of of the person. Some people can sit in the office 24/7 without moving from the table, from the chair. I personally cannot sit in the office. I cannot see paper. I cannot. I, I don't like to to sit and and, and write you know papers and stuff. I let me do something with my hand. Let me do something, you know. So each of us it's has to find this his own path, you know. And this is basically the chokhmah, the wisdom of our rabbanim, the good rabbanim that you know that knows how to deal with the kids. You know, you cannot take a kid and he doesn't have tuches. Sorry, with a bit. To sit and learn all day, uh, uh, compared to the Chacham of Adia Zichon of Zechatzadik Kadosh Lebacha, or a Gaon Mevina that could, you know, from three years old, he, he would know by, you know, everything by uh, by art and back and forth with a lot of passion. Most of us not like this. Most of the kids want a little bit break. Most try to find the the, the way that the Chochma is to find the way. How to maneuver or direct them the, in the, or their own path. And what it says, try to find the way to educate him to find the right way. And this is my, you know, I, I, I'm repeating basically what Chachamim say, what everybody, and this is something that we have to apply to in our life, in our families, in our school system. In our jobs, because you know what, give you from the jobs. I know people that love to work with plumbing. I would never tell them to do a molding job, you know, a wooden job. They don't. They cannot even just feel the wood. They feel the metal. They like to feel the metal. They feel that they to see that you know. Some people like the electricity. Just right, open the switch, light the light. Some people like to open to see that suddenly they open the faucet, you have water. And other people like to wood and uh, just um, celebrate with the wood. I have a friend that give him a piece of wood and he will carve it and he create beautiful stuff. This is all his life, the wood. You see, the, you look at the wood, or, or you, you know, I used to make scalps you know, from stones. I used to take the stone, look at the stones, starts chiseling, start working this, 
and create something that from you know that my vision stuff like this this is something that you you're coming from inside this is the whole idea all idea and I said to my children and to all the people when you go to learn a profession do it something that from your soul not because your mother want you to be a doctor and it's very popular to be a lawyer and my son is a, is, is a medicine medical doctor and my son is a lawyer and all this you're not doing it for your parents you're doing it for yourself and something that you don't uh, uh, after graduate the university that works so hard and you don't feel any connection with your profession that's it that, that's oh, my so <laughs> is this answering your question now uh, not really because I understand what you're saying and that's probably I mean that's hundred percent correct but my question is, you already, let's say, like, like Nidhavnissen just mentioned, you were pushed to go to medical school, you were pushed to go to law school. You're there. For whatever reason, you, you, were, you were only approved for this program. Or even any boy or girl that is in a school, it's an education system, they don't admire if you know how to uh, play sport, let's say, or nothing in Shiva. If you, if you know how to sing nice or... That's not the goal of the yeshiva, to teach you how to sing or play. Or The, the, the boys that are very, like, uh, let's go back very to looked up to. Give me your question. Your what, question what is, the... you want to know, how do you make a boy that doesn't have zitzvash to sit and have zitzvash? Is that your question? No, no, no. So what are you asking? How to, how to uh, 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 raise his self-esteem if he sees his, all his peers See, or better than him? That's general of a question. You can't do that. No, I cannot respond to that. I don't know what his issue is. I don't know if he can't learn. I don't know if he's got a diagnosis. I can only give you the rough ideas. You're asking very specific about a specific kid. I can't. This isn't about specifics. This is about general. This is about an awareness. So as I've spoken, or if Nissen has spoken, we've given you more than enough information for the general. Now sounds like you want the details. We don't know what's with this kid. Does he have the ability? Does he not? Does he, he, have. does he have a diagnosis? Does he not? Are there fights going on by the parents, as we just discussed at the beginning of the program, and that's why he can't learn? Is he having a difficulty where he has an older brother that was always smarter than him and no one ever gave him the recognition that he could? Is the parents very poor and he's trying to make money because he's always looking for an extra level? Right, we're going on but let's, let's, one levels why. My question is, we can't change. Let's, let's say we cannot you're change not asking, anything. You're asking a very specific One thing we can change, how to... I can't read your mind. Please understand. You're asking me to read your mind right now. No, no, I'm saying, let's say we cannot change the, the, his parents, his, all the siblings. That's we cannot change then the you're diagnosis. The wrong person. You ask a person that believes that. I don't. I believe we can change a child. I believe you can but, change the environment. You can work. The Rebbeim are there to work with you. I see but, them but let's say I cannot change it. I cannot change it. I can only give support to this okay. child. I, I, I would Ellen. say, uh, sorry, just to jump. I, I would say that try to find what this kid. That's right. I feel what this kid I feel you're is into it. You know, and, you want, and we're we're being stuck in that position. I don't understand. I don't even know what your position is. Yeah, okay, let's say I work. I see five. Okay, let's start it. Five girls. One of them. She feels very. She. Let's uh, She's very too close. I'll tell you, my she friend. Can. Let's, we'll go to another caller. All right. I feel right. This, is, this is not clear. I don't know what your role is. I don't know what your job is. And thanks. Okay. I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank appreciate you very it. much. Okay. Good. The number to call up to ask your question is 7-1-6-8-3-58-58-7-1-8-6-8-3-5-8-5-8. Okay. We'll go to Mrs. L. Your, yes. 
Hello? Oh, yes. Hi. You're on with Mordecai. Okay. Do you hear me? Yes. Loud and clear. Okay. Good. Um, my issue is I have um, eight months ago I I used I started walking with a cane, and I'm very young, and I have and it's necessary to use it, and there are some people that um don't understand the reason why I need it, and it makes me feel very bad. And they have made comments over this, and it's hurtful, and they should be sensitive, and they're not sensitive enough, and it's hard for me to cope with it. Yeah. First, let's recognize that this issue that you have is called being human, and that means that everyone that is human will have a weakness. Usually, we're able to cover up our weakness so people don't see it, or weaknesses so people don't see that, and we feel great. And all of a sudden, when we've got a difficulty or a problem that people can see, that's now more public as you're sharing. For an example, you're now going with a cane. There are some people that have some physical disabilities where they have an issue with their eyesight, with their hands, where they're limping, some, you know, whatever disability they have, and this is exactly what they are saying. What they are saying is that if someone is Nebuchadnezzar or Yosema, where they don't have a parent, when someone looks at them, they don't know about them. Or if someone's parents are divorced, you don't know about them. Or if someone's father lost money, you don't know what's going on in their life. Or if they're, or if but their it, may, it, it makes me feel bad. You know, I, I need it for my because it, for my safety. And then right. they have to make the comments. And and in the long run, I, it's for my benefit. And it's not that it's not nice. Right. It's That's not. Right. That's right. So let's first take it to you. So so it just bothered me that I don't know. Sometimes I don't. I'd rather just uh, I don't. You know, don't have to answer them, but it's it's still hurtful, and it's it's my problem if I fall down, and it's not theirs, and I have to look to make sure that I'm safe on my feet. That's right. So many times, what we work with clients when there is a disability that people seem to find a need to give them comments. Also, sometimes teenagers when they start getting a lot of pimples on their face, and people make a comment. We usually do a bit of a role play, and we give them like three or four answers. And once it's practiced over and over, then there's like an answer. Like if someone goes, what happened to you? They have a cane. You're too young to have a cane. So sometimes we can practice and just do the high road and say, thank you for your opinion. I appreciate that. You're not, you don't even want to explain yourself. And then what happens when they say that, why don't you try to get rid of your cane, that you that's don't need right. it when I do? So That's right. So we've had an example where one of my clients, unfortunately, um, for whatever reason, had a child that is, that is cognitively very slow. So, just let's say, let's use an example of autistic. They weren't autistic, and people were telling this person, "I know of a vitamin that can help your son." And this person gets hurt because everyone that has an opinion about how to help feels that they must tell it to him. And when they've tried everything, they're just doing whatever they can do. And people give advice, and they say, no, 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 I'm serious. You've got to try this. I can't rest. And the people sometimes even hound them. They mean to do them. They mean to help. But they're not realizing how, unfortunately, it's causing pain. So, number one, there are two levels that we've got to work on. Number one is actually develop an answer where you're not explaining yourself. So you could just say, thank you for your feedback. That's it. And they go, no, no, but I really mean, yes, thank you for your feedback. One of the other steps that you can start doing is to be comfortable within yourself. So if you can be comfortable within yourself that it is, that you are looking a little different now with a cane and you are young, and it is hard to be without it, but to be able to sort of understand yourself, when someone makes a comment, you can just smile. 
I've had recently because we're over here speaking publicly. I have a lot of people when I go to Simchus and they want to disagree with me. I've had someone that does an ABA form. That's behavioral therapy. And I thought I'm very for behavioral. And this person was telling me, no, you don't understand. Behavior is the way to go. Any emotional type therapy doesn't work. I tell him, thank you very much for your feedback. And he's still hounding me. No, 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 no. You're not getting me. I do ABA. And ABA, we can heal everything. There's no need to talk about emotions, no need to talk about the past. And I said, thank you for your feedback. And then the guy goes again, no, you should know, and I listen to you. I disagree, and I'm saying you're doing everything wrong. If you should, I go, thank you for your feedback. And he goes, no, and I go, and I just raise my hand to his face and go, thank you very much. Now the conversation has stopped. So the one I wanted to do was that I wanted to, um, t- take a little sign and put it on my cane that says Eno Novado, and anybody that's going to bother me is going to look at this sign and they're going to be keep their mouth quiet. That's fantastic. Yes. You see, as long as you have the answer. <laughs> and then I was just a little concerned now. If I go to a simcha that is that I do have to go to that's coming up, I do need my cane, and I'm afraid if I'm going to run around entire wedding call without it. It's not going to be so easy. So well, people are going to comment me on, on this, do too. Not, like, right. why do you so need a cane, and what is the reason? And I that's right. don't want to go through this. Go, thank you for asking. Thank you for your care. So notice what we're saying. We want to have a, 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 a line. It's the one-liners. Thank you for your care. That's really nice of you. Yeah, but I really want to know what happened. Thank you. So watch this. Okay, so I would like you to just use the comment. Let's say, how do you feel with the comment saying, thank you for caring? Can uh-huh. you try that yeah, on me? Can no, you tell it, me it, thank it you is, for caring? Mm-hmm. Watch this. Say it. Tell me the words. Thank you for caring. That's really special of you. Mm. Try it. So, tell me those uh-huh. words. I want to do a role play with you. Uh, okay. I, I hope that it will work. Watch. Watch. Try it. Tell me the words. Thank right. you now for I caring. Say something? It's really nice of you. But it's really nice of you? Start. Thank you for caring. Because when someone's giving you a comment, what they're saying is they really care about you. Uh, are they caring or, the, the, or well, they're trying to... Why would someone make a comment? Do you think someone would make a comment if they don't care about you? Uh, they, they care about me, so why would they... What is the reason for, say, for saying it? It's like, very famous, unfortunately, when people go to Shiva. They don't know how to care, but they care. So anyone that spent the time to make a comment is that they care. They just don't know the right way to do it. They're not sure how to react to the fact that I need one? That's right. Some might feel guilty. Some might want to help you. Some might feel sympathy for you. Some might feel that they had someone that had a similar level, and now they they know how that person got out of it, so now they're going to help or, you. You know, sometimes they could be nice and say, oh, would you like a drink? That's right. But let's recognize that people don't know. People don't always know how to help. And when and I don't want to right now defend them because in a way they're right. Means for you with the cane, it might be asking, "Would you like a drink?" For someone else in the cane, it might be, "No, I can help myself. Stop treating me like an invalid." So that's a separate issue on how to care. I'm a young person. I first want to focus on you because you're the one calling in. So I would like you to realize that when someone makes any comment, it's because they care. So can you try the saying, just try, practice it on me first once, thank you for caring, that's really nice of you, or that's really special of you. Try that comment. What, I should say it now? Yeah, tell it to me right now. Uh, uh, thank you for caring and for understanding. Yeah, and for, or for really, yeah, thank you for caring. Yeah, yeah, well, see that. Now watch, I'm going to be pushing you, and I want you to repeat that sentence the whole time. So tell me, what happened that you're with a cane? 
Just say that sentence. Thank you for caring. That's really special of you. Say the sentence. What? Thank, Thank you, you for really caring. You're not answering their question. You're just dealing with the underlying issue that they care. So I'm going to ask you a question. What happened to you that you got a cane? And your response is, thank you for caring. That's really special of you. Try that. Uh, uh, thank you for caring. That's really special of you. Yeah. No, no, but I really mean to help you. So what happened that you got, that you got a cane? Because I had a brother-in-law that had a cane, and the doctor said he'll never be able to get off it, and he took acupuncture. That really helped him. I want to give you the number of the acupuncturist. And your response is, repeat the sentence again. Uh, thank you for caring. That's really special of it's you. That's special of you. Yeah, no, but I, I, I know I care. That's right, because I care is what I want to tell you. I want to give you the number, but how did it happen? Because my brother-in-law, he was in a car accident. But what happened to you? Remember, you don't want to answer. Just do the same sentence over and over. Thank you for caring. That's really special of you. Uh, okay. Try it again. Do it again. Oh, what, I should say it again? Yes, yes. You're going to say it about seven or eight times until the person gets the hint. Oh, okay, fine. I'll I'll speak to you another time about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so say okay. the words again. Thank you for caring. Thank it's you really for special. caring. It's especially nice of you. Yeah, but... But I'm very serious now because, you know, let me at least give you the acupuncturist number or the nutritionist number, the vitamins number, the physical therapy, or the occupational therapy, or the therapist, the psychologist, the Dr. Sarno, or any other system that you can imagine that they're offering you. Thank you for caring. That's really special of you. Okay. What do you think would change if you would have an answer like that? I, uh, maybe it would. I think that it would work. Then I wouldn't yeah. have to answer, make a That's reason right. why. That's right, and the secret is not to get caught up in other people's pain, in other people's comments. Rav Nissan, what do you say to this? Uh, first of all, I just uh, come, uh, just remark about, you know, we had uh, one time a lady, a blind lady in the in the studio, and, uh, she, uh, and she complained that every time that people approach her, they're screaming at her. She said, I'm blind, I'm not deaf. You know, this is... <laughs> Uh, it's it, we we have the 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 you know the girl the, the the things to 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 put to help other people. It's really it's coming from really naive and trying to to help other people. But uh, the famous story about uh, Rabbi Elazar ben uh, ben Rabbi uh, ben Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai that he was driving uh, basically riding on a on a donkey and suddenly he saw very very ugly person. And he saw what ugly person you are. And this ugly person told him, you know, go to the creator. Why you come to me? And they realized basically that they did big mistakes. And he asked him, forgive it. A big long story. But it was it in the all this ugly person was a Leonavi just to teach him humility. And I said it many times, many times people come and unfortunately sang a remark without you know, personal thinking, you know, they said, oh, what happened to you? Why you don't have kids? Why you don't, you know, all this kind of st- really stupidity without any sense, just to show something, to have sympathy. And the idea is basically, sometimes you can say, go to the creator. Right now, <laughs> that's my situation. And thank you for, uh, as, as a Mordechai, thank you for your concern. I really appreciate it. That's it, you know. That's why I, I decided like I, I want to hang up and, the phone that says, Amen, Mubadal, on my game. The number is 718-683-5858. 
718-683-5858. And we're looking forward to taking your questions and your comments. Oh, thank we you have so one, one more thing, one more thing. One more thing, I think that really, uh, you know, in Africa, in the tribes of Africa, Cain is a, a symbolize of power, of, you know, the rulers as a cane and all this like this. And take the cane as, you know, this, I love, you can say to people, I love this cane. I love this can. You know, just in the minute you judge this, you said, you, you, this is you. You, you have to be uh, within yourself, complete with this, that you need the can and you love it and it's a part of your body. And people will look at you differently. Thank you so much for the chizok. I appreciate it. Yes, and this chizok is also for many people out there where they've got some form of disability, where people feel it's their need to show how much they care by giving comments. And again, we're not going to fit right or wrong. The main point is for people to realize that sometimes we hurt others and to have, have to give them a the little respect. Yeah. We are yes. going to Mrs. P. P, you're on with Mordechai and Rav Nissen. Yes. Good evening, Good evening Mordechai. Good um, evening. This topic that you're speaking about really relates. I have so much experience with this. I'm going to make it very fast. First of all, you should get benched for your program. Oh, man. I was once after, I've had two back surgeries, and I once ended up going to Florida, and I had to go with the walker, which is just as noticeable as the cannon, even more. I was really in a lot of pain. And I come over there to the poolside. There's a woman that's probably like Ken Hart, 30, 40 years older than me. And she screams loud, why are you going with the walker? So you can't answer an older person on your chutzpah. So I just told her very calmly, I don't know. She goes, what do you mean you don't know why you're going with the walker? I don't know. And again, she repeated. And again, I told her, I don't know. There was another woman there that was with me uh, two days before that in the airport. Actually, the day before in the airport. And she says to me, and I, in the airport, I cannot walk the full length. I go on a wheelchair. She goes, I saw you in a wheelchair. What do you mean you don't know why you're going with a walker? And I said, me in a wheelchair? You must have the wrong person. So she mm -hmm. goes, I'm telling you. She knows me. She's calling by my name. I, we know each other. So I thought to myself, if she's making me feel so uncomfortable, I'm going to make her feel, excuse me, stupid and foolish. So she goes, I'm telling you, I remember you sat right in front of me in the airport. You were sitting in a wheelchair. And I said, me in a wheelchair, you have the wrong person. And I left it at that. This was on Friday, and Shabbos, I was asked to speak. So I spoke about this topic, and I mentioned the walk of the last thing. And I said how we have to be so careful how when we, anyone that looks different that's walking with it's in a wheelchair or a walker or braces or crutches or cane, whatever it is, not supposed to ask them why, because obviously there's, there's a medical reason why, and we don't have to know everyone's reason why. So after the, the shear, this lady came over to me and she goes, did you mean me? I said, no, I just meant everybody very general. So I understand this woman is very uncomfortable, and I've been asked many times, why are you going with the walker? And sometimes I would say it's against, it's, you know, it's a, it's a school of iron horror. It's just, I, I don't feel intimidated if people ask me, because if the other person doesn't have the sensitivity not to ask a person like that, then I don't have to be the one that feels uncomfortable, because it's their problem and it's not my problem. So this Good. woman that has to go with the cane, don't feel uncomfortable. Try, just try not to, to think, to internalize people's comments because it's their problem. If they don't have seichel not to ask you such a question, 
and you don't have to be upset. And like Robert Tewitzka said, don't let people's comments live rent-free in your head. It's not worth it. So someone just sent me a message over here. Bravo, we love that lady who makes the other one look stupid. Yes, exactly. People are Without walking around with even pain where embarrassing her that their nature or, or is telling that they're her more you're her, but just, just yep. make her and feel foolish and just say, you know, very casual. I don't know, me in a wheelchair. And a day later, this woman says to me, were you, were you just trying to make me feel foolish? I said, are you kidding? You just made a mistake. I was not the one in the wheelchair. I didn't want to embarrass her. But if she thought about it, then then I may be yoven. Yes. Yes. Powerful. Because it's, it's difficult enough when a person has to use such something so uncomfortable. It's, 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 that, that's bad enough, you know, that they have a medical problem they have to face. You know, they have to wear this, this uh, uncomfortable uh, something with them. So it's, we don't have to make people feel more uncomfortable by asking them, why are you going with a wheelchair? Why are you there? Just a... I've had many times people say, you're such a young lady, you're going with a walker, you're going with a cane. I've had this many times. I've learned over the years, I'm already older, I've learned not to take these comments on people because it's their problem and not my problem. Yes. So very, very true, and sharing your story is helping everyone in their way for them to find their safety on how, for if you have something that's more public and aware, for us to realize that that's what happens, and we got our safety system. I generally like it if someone can come up with a level. Um, here we got a message from someone. My mother also uses a cane from time to time with pride. She bought herself a pretty one. Yep, we understand that it's prideful, but after a while, comments get to us. So therefore, you want to have... So me being there again, that we, I speak a lot on the radio, Hashem, almost all the time that positives, I would say 99% of the time, the comments are positive. But there are that 1%, when it's negative, I have a couple of prepared one-liners. Thank you for your comment and moving away. <laughs> or, you know, that's, that's usually the famous one. Usually I don't even try again to thank you for your comments and then just move away. So having that, someone goes, were you in a wheelchair? Thank you for your comment. But me, and I like moving on. So, yeah, but again, for anyone out there, be aware that exactly we need to prepare ourselves, and once you prepare yourself, you feel safer being in that environment. Someone that would also like to call, share your question or your comment, the number is 718-683-5858, and we have right now the availability to ask your question. 718-683-5858. Mordechai, we have, uh, I think, like uh, three minutes Left. Okay. And uh, probably everybody lighting the uh, menorah and sitting uh, next to it. Yeah. And uh, I would wish uh, Mazal Tov to the uh, Rabbi Annie and uh, and the Ovadia family for the, uh, in what do you call it, a marriage of uh, the son and daughter and all the people. Uh, I, I would say the few few words, you know, about the, the topics that we started up, you know, just I want to, if you want co- to conclude about it. Sure. Just, and with the text that I sent you, I just want to, if you can just put a little bit of awareness about it. Okay, so I know I that I put you on the spot. Family with lots of pain. I know I should be in therapy, but even after so many years, I'm still not ready to forgive. What do you recommend? So this is someone that they come from a blended family. Blended family means that, let's say. 
the mother was either divorced or an alma or an almana, and the father and let's say or the stepfather is either divorced or an, or an alman, and they've gotten married, and now she comes with kids, he comes with kids, and now they all might have kids together, so therefore they call it a blended family, and there are sometimes pain that happens. It means his kids doesn't feel she treats his kids as well as her kids, or they feel that they're too overwhelmed, or there could be a lot, a lot of issues that are going on in blended families where you feel maybe the mother isn't taking care of you, or your, the mother is not like your mother, or they want to take over the position. There's a lot happening. So let's go ahead. So the person says, I come from a blended family with lots of pain. I know I should be in therapy, but even after so many years, I'm still not ready to forgive. What do you recommend? So, so I feel sort of the question saying, I've got a lot of pain from the past, and I know I should be in therapy. I know I should go to the doctor, but I don't want to go to the doctor. What can you recommend? It's very difficult to make a recommendation because we don't even know what the issue is. So... If we don't know what pain you're holding, we don't know what neglect you felt, then yes, then we can't really help you. So we'd like to help you. We're going to take one last call over here. Mrs. G. Hi. Yes. Thank you so much for taking my question. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. this is my question. My son, who's 10, has a Rebbe that he tremendously, tremendously admires and respects. He's a wonderful Rebbe. And this Rebbe has terrible, terrible anger problem. He gets in cost very easily, um, and it affects my son a lot. Anyway, when we come home, whenever he comes home, and if he ever shows anger, I always say there's no place in the Torah for anger. If you want to talk about it, if you want to discuss it, I don't have a problem. But we, you know, anger is not allowed in the Torah. And he has a hard time dealing with it because he sees it from somebody he respects so much, and yet I'm, I'm telling him that it's not allowed um, am I saying the wrong things? Should I not be saying this? You know, somehow well, it puts his Rebbe in a bad can you light. Use the then? word from anger to maybe your response or your tone should be at a lower level, should be differently. Maybe what? Uh, let me sh explain to you what what I am thinking about. This way, I can we can go through the process. Many times in families where we don't raise our voice, and someone else does raise their voice, right? We were calling it anger, and it could just be they're an excited family. So, for example, I've just taken a three-day workshop, and this person's telling me when I am in Germany giving this workshop, and I tell people, come closer to watch what I'm doing, people move their chairs six inches. When I tell an Italian place, come closer, he says, everyone gets up from the chair, everyone is on top of the other person, I go, whoa, slow down. So it was a whole bunch of from people, and says, somehow I'm telling people, come closer, and barely anyone is moving. He says, I want us to be an Italian, get closer. My concept that I'd like to share with you is that we don't know. Sometimes when the kid says the Rebbe is anger, it, or angry, it could be he's raising his voice. could be he's looking stern, that in your family they might not be doing this. You might have a much gentler way, and therefore to your son it's called angry. Or, so now when your son starts behaving a certain way, and we start using now constant terror, we don't know what that means. We could just teach your son, this is how I'd like you to respond when you get angry or when something bothers you. Mm -hmm. Instead of going into its cast, and there now might be an issue if your son says, but the Rebbe does it, you can maybe clarify that different people have different ways of responding. It might not be cast. Mm -hmm. Does that make and sense? Even, and even if my son is clearly, he's very sure that it's cast. He explains how the Rebbe gets red in the face. He explains how the Rebbe might sometimes even 
hit a child or whatever it is. In other words, he, to him, he clearly sees it as cuss. And you are right. In our home, we do have a gentler approach, and I'm very into it that this is something that's bothering him. Let's just talk it out. Let's see how we can come to a conclusion. But I have been seeing that he's been demonstrating and perhaps imitating the cuss of his Rebbe. Well, I wonder if you can tell... Well, let, let's try things differently. First of all, you realize you could give the Rebbe a call. Mm-hmm. You think you could give the Rebbe a call, you know, we're a very gentle family, and, um, you know, in the yeshiva and class, looks like sometimes the kids might not be behaving, you need to sometimes raise your voice, because realize, when a Rebbe controls a class, I'm not now going to excuse it, I'm just going to create a bit of an awareness that there are some children where they come from a household where they only start listening when the parent yells, now, the Rebbe needs to adapt to different children different levels until the Rebbe mm-hmm. teaches the child how to start, or the student how to start responding to healthy responses, or if that student that is making trouble is doing a bit extreme. And as we know, we're, we're, we love, unfortunately, blaming the Rebbe, but why don't we realize how trapped the Rebbeim are that there are children that some of them come from very difficult households or with diagnosis with the parents, because I'm involved with the parents, don't want to take the appropriate steps, and we just dump them on the Rebbe. So now this is a kid that when they're home, they mess up the house, they destroy the house, and the family says, oh, Baruch Hashem, this kid is now away for Shabbos when it's once a year, and we expect the Rebbe to manage 20-something kids plus this kid and plus maybe two kids that have this the difficulty, and then we're upset at them when they need to raise their voice or use more tougher behaviors. So you might mm-hmm. even call up the Rebbe and just say, what's happening in the class? And the Rebbe might tell you, oh, we've got a very difficult year. We've got three kids or four kids sometimes. Sometimes there's only two of them. This year we've got four. And we could then explain it to your son a little. That your Rebbe might be using that he might not use in general, but for these... But is that okay? Is it okay for a Rebbe, no matter how many difficult children? As a teacher, I can understand this concept. Asking, it can be very difficult. Okay? And yet, again. I will never get angry, because anger is not okay. Anger is not allowed in Let me shift the Are we is it okay the Rebbe that he's allowed to, to get angry? Kid, that the kid is not able to learn, and the Rebbe has to deal with that? Is it okay for that to happen? Is it okay that a class should be ruined? because three or four kids need to have special aids or special stuff, and the Rebbe has to deal with it, is that okay? For sure, but not anger. There's no wait, place wait, in the toilet for anger. Wait, wait, let's stop a second. We're talking is it okay that the Rebbe aren't getting paid enough that the Rebbe doesn't have an assistant or a shadow to help That's those what I'm kids? talking about. Why are we making the Rebbe, why are we not allowing the Rebbe to be human and that they're stuck? Why are we expecting a Rebbe to be beyond human? I'm not expecting that, but I yes, am you expecting are. I'm Rebbe. explaining to you that there are many times the Rebbeim and teachers are stuck with children that have major disabilities, and it comes from the parents even. And the parents mm-hmm. are not working on their issues, and they're just dumping their children on the system. I and agree. And the Rebbe's got one kid they could manage. You speak to Rebbeim, I speak to them, and sometimes they've got three of these kids in the class. Now, I'm not defending, no, I'm not saying that the Rebbe has a right to get angry. What I am saying is that the yeshiva system does not have enough money to deal with those kids. Maybe get them more contained class. Get them more one-on-ones. They're pulled out to be learning one-on-one. The point is that the Rebbe is very stuck, and we give Rebbe many times jobs that are not possible for them to do. And if they get frustrated, it, we just need to understand that as well. That is part of life. Okay, but, to, but again, my question specifically is, I want to train my son that anger is not okay. 
But when I say that, he doesn't understand because his Rebbe gets angry. I'm saying there might be a reason why the Rebbe is doing it, or or for whatever reason the Rebbe is behaving that way. Let's focus how we're going to be behaving. So in other words, even when he does say, but Ma, this is how my Rebbe reacts, I say... This is how I don't we're know going this, to do There's no... I make it clear. There it. is Anger is not cast. It's just simply not allowed in Judaism. Am I wrong? Now, notice what you're just doing. I, I, I notice, wait, notice your words. It's not allowed in Judaism. Now, how do you expect him to deal with it if the Rebbe is angry? You've just now made either my Rebbe isn't Jewish or I'm not Jewish. How about stop it? Let's change it because he needs to be at this Rebbe. He needs to respect the Rebbe. How about okay. saying maybe there's a reason why the Rebbe is doing that? We don't understand. I can call up your Rebbe. But right now in our house, this is how you're going to behave. With your friends, this is how you're going to behave. Instead of going now Yiddishkeit, you're now putting him against the Rebbe. Yiddishkeit against the Rebbe. How do you think a child's going to be able to recognize that? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's what I'm so confused about. That's why it's That's so right. difficult so for me. Let's now take out, if it's a Rebbe doing that, then A, you can call up the Rebbe, first of all, and discuss it with him. Go right, I have. I have. I it hasn't helped. And, and I can understand, like you said. He, he has a difficult class. I totally understand it. I don't, right. I don't think so the solution is cost, but, you know, I understand that he has difficult The Rebbe is not really angry. Sometimes Rebbein will make a face as if they are angry. They'll mm-hmm. put that stern face, raise their voice, because that's what those children, that's how they respond. But he's not, mm-hmm. really not angry on the inside. Mm-hmm. So, so can I can tell my son that perhaps he's pretending to be angry, that he can discipline right. the children, children or the handle the class. Difficult backgrounds, unfortunately, the language and the response that works immediately, but in the long term has very negative effects, is showing someone they're angry. Mm-hmm. So it works the short term and the long term, it damages these children. Because it teaches mm-hmm. them to only respond to anger. It does not teach them how to behave regularly. But right now... The Rebbe and the resources and the system is not able to individualize it yet. Mm-hmm. But what you will teach your son is that instead of going, Yiddishkeit does not really like, does not approve of anger, what we still want to explain is let's take out the words Yiddishkeit if it's a Rebbe that's doing it and say, in our house we are, we are going to focus on other ways to express disappointment, even express your anger. You are allowed to express it. You're not going to mm-hmm. act on it. Anger is an emotion that if it's expressed appropriately, the person will be okay. The person mm-hmm. will not get angry. If it's squashed, and if we're not allowed to get angry, then there are huge negative effects by that. Mm-hmm. Does that change the words? Do you notice yes. if it changes the I words? Am under, I am understanding that, so first of all, I can tell my son, we use words Hashem like, I can see you're really disappointed or you're really yells, upset about something. He red and he hit. I, Hashem does not, allow you to, does not allow anyone to get angry, no matter what. So he's saying, oh, so my Rebbe now is a loser and a failure, no matter what. Let's mm-hmm. try it differently. You're getting angry. In this house, we have different responses than yelling, screaming, and hitting. What are the mm-hmm. responses you're going to do? You're going to start talking. You're going to say, Mommy, I'm very angry that my brother took my toy. I'm very angry that this one got a bigger Hanukkah present than mine. I'm very disappointed this family went away and we didn't go away. Mm-hmm. Each of those are how we're going to teach him how to respond. You're not going into Yiddishkeit because we don't want to put him against the, the Rebbe against the uh, uh, Mordechai, I know that I get uh, a uh, very upset response, and I, I, and I myself wanted to say we are not protecting the Rebbe. The Rebbe is not have any uh, excuse to be angry. 
Okay, it's not, it's, Ernest, and I love the way you take the other side. Go no, right ahead. No, no, it's really, I, I, it's no question. You know that I, 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 it's, it's no question the Rebbe don't have any right to be angry in his classroom. You're angry, get out, take a cup of water, cold water, and come back. This is not the situation of it that we tried. We are defending the, uh, the Yiddish kite. Yes, I understand your point of view, Mordechai, and I understand the point of view. The, 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 but in a, in a, and I know that it's almost less lost battle here, you know. And we are we really really fighting with sometimes unprofessional rabbis and unprofessional teachers. I don't again. I don't want to go rabbis and uh, educator, unprofessional educator that are not support in our Yiddish kite is not something that. And I say in and I tell. It's no place to be angry. If this rabbi has a put, put, uh, dear ma'am, go purchase a Egeret Aramban, big one, four by four, put it on the wall of the classroom in front of the rabbi that he will read it every day. That's my resolution to you. And if you cannot get it, put another in every wall of the classroom. This is not an option. I'm telling you, it's not option. And something, this is really something that we have to take care about our children, future children. Yep. Because I, I, I know that you really want to defend that the, there's a system, and I know that the system is crowded and underpaid, and, you know, they have every, 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 every teacher has his own problem, his own pekelach. But why to put it on the children? You know, many times I come home full of, Anger, full of upsetness that, you know, at the, the job and here, what I'm doing, I'm standing in front of the door and I said, this is right now, Nisim, it's not your family problem. It's not the people problem. It's you. Take care. Take a, a, a cold water and go with a big smile. And this, I think that the teacher has to do it every time that they go to that. And if it's cannot control a class of 30, unfortunately 30 or 25 kids, sometimes 35 five kids, that wild, you're not, you are in a wrong profession. Maybe take a plumbing course and be a plumber. Mm -hmm. That's that's my, my I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I, I'd like to say something that recently happened to me. As I mentioned, I'm a teacher. So I was teaching in a class and somebody was extremely destructive and really misbehaving. And I really, really got upset, and I felt the anger rise within me. And that's exactly what I did. I left the class to get a cup of water and to calm down. Came back, a new person, continued, didn't say anything. You know, class went on. Afterwards, I found out that this young woman, this is in high school, had just been removed, forcibly removed from her home. There was a terrible situation going on at home. And I was just so, so grateful that I had not given in to that anger. I'm a very, very big believer that our children, and yes, being in the system as a teacher, it is overcrowded and it is difficult. But I, I always say being a teacher is all about working on your own mitos. Being a rep is about working on your own mitos. I try to instill in every one of my eight children to work on their mitos as much as they can. What is it saying when the rep loses control and just slaps a kid one after another? And then... And then how, what do I say to that? It, it's very, very confusing. It's extremely so confusing let, for let me. Let me sort of defend and drop my position and sort of, to our, uh, sort of to what you guys are saying. I don't believe this needs to re remain, like, quiet. What I believe is you need to approach the Rebbe. You need to approach the principal. That's what principals are there for. 
you might right. I have. I have done both, actually. I've yes, spoken to the Rebbe. I've spoken to the principal. You know, for a while it quiets down, but then again, yeah. you know, it's his nature. This is his nature. And unless no, he's willing to work on it and change, it's not going to change. That's not acceptable to get angry if it's a nature. And if when you speak to the Rebbe, if the Rebbe says, yes, there are some difficult kids, I need more help, then you might be able to get some parents to pull together and to start speaking to the principal and start getting it. Because as you're saying, the to get angry is not acceptable. To understand why they might get angry, we need to do that. But we need to make changes. If parents do not speak up over and over to the school that this, we need our kids to be better or healthier or whatever it should be, then it's not going to change. And therefore, I, I believe, I agree. Again, I agree with everything that was said. I just feel that we need to focus a drop on making the change in the system. The changes happen when we actually verbalize. We contact the school. We contact. We have several parents call. You might take turns calling. Every parent calls. One calls on Sunday. One calls on Monday. One calls on Tuesday. One calls on Wednesday. You do this for two, three weeks, they, they will get it. They will get the message. You call up some people on the board saying, this Rebbe could be a great Rebbe, but there's an anger issue. There's a problem why this Rebbe is getting angry, too overwhelmed. Something's got to happen. When there are callers going on, the rebellion, the schools, changes do happen. I agree. So, I yeah. agree, and I think that parents are just afraid because it's hard to get into a yeshiva. What if they throw my kid out? What if they throw my kid out of school? But I totally believe, and I, I want to mention, actually, I run a program with uh, uh, Rabbi Benjamin Ginsburg. It's called TLC, Teachers Loving Children. It's a, cha- it's a training program for teachers, and it's really all about, again, just working on your own needles in order to bring out the best you know, in, yeah. in the students. But one of the things that I, I'm a very big believer, and I'm just going to finish with this. I want to give you a small example. My son came home very, very distraught. Another son, very distraught. The bus driver had actually pulled over the bus and walked to the back and slapped him across his face for wow. whatever reason. You know, everybody was disruptive, and the kid ended up throwing up, and it was, it was a horrible scene on the bus. Anyway, sure. it was very offensive, and I, I tried reaching the bus driver, and I couldn't. I called him now, and I said, it's an emergency. Before Young said, you must get back to me. This is an emergency. And he called me, probably came out of the mix, was still wet, you know, and he said, what's the emergency? What's the emergency? And I told him the story, and I said, this is not okay. And that what I was repeating it to somebody without using names and, uh, you know, what she couldn't believe it. What do you mean? You, you called? I said, yes. And if more parents would call, the bus driver would never have done it to begin with because they That's know right. that we're on exactly. top of it. And being that it's on the radio, I think it's such an important thing. Parents need to know not to be afraid of the system. The principals, the teachers, the rabbeim, they are, as a teacher, I'm saying this, they are afraid of the parents. Teachers will yes, get called into an That's office, right. will be told, you know, that very disapprovingly, I got a phone call from a parent that this and this That's happened. Right. We must be our exactly children's advocate. We must. Yeah, uh, you know that you know what? Now I just I jump. I'm sorry that I'm jumping. I I said that I I spoke with last week. We had a very uh, interesting show, Rabbi Mordechai. Remember? Yeah. And exactly oh. the, the topic of uh, parents and uh, teachers uh, workshop. Yeah. And this yeah. is very yeah. important that the teacher will go. You know, the teacher take uh, uh, courses and educate because it's like any profession. You have to learn and learn and learn. And as you said, Avodat Amidot is first yeah. excellence. This is something that you have to work all the time, especially mm-hmm. when you have kids that annoying you 
and I'm thanks God I'm not a teacher because I couldn't take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would say that in the other end, also many uh, teachers told me and said that the Anala is afraid of the parents and sometimes doing so silly things because the uh, I would add the PTA, the parents, the parents uh, association over there uh, are pushing them to do this. And they don't want to do it. They want this uh, kind of curricula and all this kind. That we have to find the balance. But they met the, uh, the truth that, that the teachers has to take the workshop every once in a while. Like you go to the mm -hmm. gym, you practice. It's, it's something that you have to practice every day. And t turn, you know, train yourself to be a, a, a good teacher. It's mm -hmm. not simple. Yeah. I was in the teacher's room recently, and somebody was complaining that her baby was up the whole night. And she said, if one girl misbehaves, I feel so bad for her. I walked over to her, and I said, you need to go home. She said, excuse me? I said, you need to go home. There is no reason why you should take out your frustration and your sleepless night on your students. It's yes. not fair. Go home. That's yeah. what I told her. And she was very taken aback, and she was very unhappy with it. But the message came across loud and clear. Yeah. So... Yeah. So, thank I mean, this you. is, again, this thank is not against Hatsha Shalom. I'm a teacher. It's certainly well, not against teachers and Rabbeim. They're really view. doing the best they can. But yeah. um, but as a mother, you know, that's what I was calling from, as a mother and seeing it from the other side, that can sometimes get a little tricky. And I think it all boils down to that. If they work on their midos, then it's, it makes it easier for the parents as well. Then we don't have to go through all of that explaining of why he's doing it, and, you know, even if we really know that it's so incorrect. Excellent. Thank you. And have a frail Hanukkah of Nisman. Thank you for allowing us to extend this program. Lacha. And thank you. It was a very uh, fruitful, I would say, and very big awareness to all uh, everything around us. Thank you, Rabbi yeah. Mordechai. Thank you. My pleasure. And thank your family for allowing you <laughs> to come here and do this on a night when I know they could have used you. Yeah, but thank you and all the best. And Chag Sameach to all, yeah. to all of yeah. us. Thank you.